Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Daly, and our guest today is Bailey Mitchell. And our focus today is on uh, the journey from student to professional and how do you get a job in the translation industry. Welcome, Bailey. Hello. Thank you. Patrick. Pleasure, as usual. <laughs> Outstanding. So let's start with our word of the day. We haven't done that in a bit, and I thought it'd be uh, a good idea since our focus today is on being a student. And um, really, the word student comes from uh, late Middle English. It's also derives from the Latin uh, student, applying oneself to or from the verb studere, which is uh, related to studium or painstaking application. And I, I like the painstaking part. Was being a student painful, Bailey? Um, a little bit. I think it, I, good pain, though. Good pain, though. Great. Well, Bailey, um, just for everyone's information, is a project manager here at Argo Translation, and she came to us from Purdue University. Yep. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Uh, I know your mom's in manufacturing and works for a Japanese company, so I don't know if that had some influence, but just tell us everything. Oh, everything. Yes. Um, well, um, by the way, the podcast is uh, only 30 minutes. You have 30 seconds. Ready? Okay, great. Um, well, my mom does work in a Japanese manufacturing company. So that sort of started my love of language at a young age. So I started learning Japanese when I was in um, early middle school. And then moving on to college, I studied it all throughout middle school and high school. And then when I got to college, I sort of discovered my love for all language and moved that passion into Chinese. Um, so I graduated in this past spring, May 2019, with a degree in Asian studies with uh, my concentration being in Chinese language and culture. That's great. Have you traveled uh, to China at all? Or Yeah, I have been both to Japan and to China. Um, I spent an entire summer at uh, Beijing University in Beijing, um, or known as Peking University, depending on who you talk to, um, studying Chinese in depth for five to eight hours every single day for an entire summer. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, what was your highlight from that trip? Uh, probably climbing the Great Wall. That was oh, very awesome. crazy and painful, absolutely. Um, definitely a version of painstaking application, getting all the way up that wall to the top. Great, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I thought it make sense would make sense a bit to talk about Patrick um, and his journey a bit. Uh, so we get another uh, another perspective. He was at the University of Illinois. So Bailey really wasn't in, let's say, a traditional translation program. Correct, the correct. focus was more on language. Yes. Where uh, Patrick was in a program at U of I uh, called CTS, the Center for Translation Studies. So why don't you talk a little bit about mm -hmm. your experience, Patrick? Uh, so I came into school wanting to be an actuary. Uh, and then I found out that that was not a great fit for me. So at, at the start, I was minoring in Spanish, so I decided to turn that into my major at that point because I'd already had quite a bit of experience with Spanish. Uh, but then my, about my junior senior year, I was thinking, hmm, what kind of job can I get with a Spanish major? So um, I decided to get a business minor and then also apply to the Center for Translation Studies. Uh, so what that is is a program at U of I that really – is geared towards translation and the translation industry. So that really got me interested and kind of led me down a path where, you know, I could turn my language experience into a career. Great. And I would imagine focus is a big part of uh, the college education. I mean, I, I went to college, it was probably two, 300 years ago now. <laughs> so it's sort of a distant memory. Um, 
why don't we start with Bailey and if you can talk to us a little bit about sort of the approach in college and how that differs in terms of the focus you apply to your work. So I definitely feel like at uh, in school, I spent a lot of time doing um, step-by-step goal completion. So it was very, my approach was very much day-to-day, week-to-week, semester-to-semester. You know, if I just finish today and do all the studying I need to do today, I can move on to tomorrow. If I finish everything I need to do for the big exam at the end of the week, I can move on, you know, to the next big exam. If I finish this semester well, I can move on to the next semester. And that's sort of how I had to complete you know, my approach to my college education just in order to keep going because it was a a lot of work. Um, But I feel like once you move on to your professional life, it's a lot more about taking everything that you learned and all of your experiences and classes in college and applying them more to your long-term goals. Um, I really had to, the last couple of months since I've started here, I really had to reimagine my goals as a person um, and what I want to do this year, next year, five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, And I've really had to readjust the way that I focus on my life. It's definitely a huge focus. I mean, I I joked about the distant past, but I, I do recall that the grind of college is far different than the grind of day-to-day work and just sort of adjusting to that schedule is um it's tough uh patrick how about you any thoughts on sort of that adjustment or or haven't you made it (laughs) well hopefully i have made it uh there's definitely no more waking up at noon uh, which was great about college sometimes uh but yeah like you said you kind of think bigger picture in that term you're not so worried about you know maybe one small problem you have on that day you're focused on bigger issues things that you know, you want to find efficiencies, you want to fix things now so that further down the road, those don't become a problem for you. So transitioning a little bit into um, the viewpoint from from the student's view, right? Uh, you're a student, you've kind of come to some decisions like each of you have where you say, well, what am I going to do? What's my career going to be? Um, let's talk a little bit about where the focus should be or or. Um, how they make that decision or some of the things they should be asking themselves when they're making this decision. So um, I think starting with maybe, you know, why would you want to be a a project manager or a translator? What are some of the things that, um, why don't you start with the translation side since you came from a translation program and Bailey, you can talk a little bit about a project manager. What are some of the things that uh, a student should consider before entering the field? Why don't we start with you, Bailey? Oof. Um, I think that, you know, when you ask yourself, what do you want to do in your future? Um, one of the things that I really had to understand was that I needed to try a lot of different things during my college experience before I really realized what industry, you know, my love is really for language. So I knew that that was the industry I wanted to work in. Um, but there's surprisingly a lot of different opportunities of things that you can do in the language industry. Um, I know that I had had a really strong background in um, organization, um, management, managements of teams. So I kind of wanted to figure out a way to play on some of my strengths while also getting to really enjoy what I, you know, what I did, which is why I'm glad to be in this industry. I I think That's really good because project management is really all about managing people, managing timelines, managing resources and budgets and repeat, 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 repeat. So I think that is that that's a great point. I think that is a good skill set. So something that maybe students could think about is, 
you know, get involved, whether it's a student organization where you have some responsibilities, whether it's a small budget or some timelines or, or um, you know, meeting deliverables by a certain date. Those are probably really good suggestions. I yeah, guess. absolutely. And that's also probably great even if it's not languages, if you're a project manager in marketing or a project manager for uh, just a, a regular business organization where you're, you're, you're managing internal projects. Um, so I, I think that's great. Uh, Patrick, how about you from a translator's perspective? What are some of the things that folks should be thinking about? Hey, I want to be a translator or an interpreter. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely do your homework on what companies you're applying to. Uh, really find out what their specialization is as a company. You know, certain translation companies only do medical translation. Certain companies only do legal translation. So you want to make sure you're applying to the right places, things that align with your experience as a translator. Um, another one is, you know, how can you use your background to leverage work from that company? So let's say, you know, you're a non-practicing physician. That's great. You should really be applying to medical translation companies. You'll get a ton of work from them. They'll know you're qualified immediately because you have that physician's degree. Um, so it's really how you take your experience and leverage that towards work from that company. Well, that's really a good point because uh, CTS as well as UW, you know, the CTS program at U of I or the graduate program at UW-Milwaukee, like some of those folks have backgrounds in other fields. In fact, uh, at a presentation last year at UW-Milwaukee, met a gentleman whose background was in finance. So obviously he was looking to become a financial translator, and that was really what his focus was. Um, and, and that's important. And I think it's also about passion. Uh, Bailey had talked a little bit about some of her passion for language. Um, I think that's really important because there are people as well. Gosh, gaming is a huge industry. Gaming translation is huge. And if you are a person that's active in, in that area, whether it's you know Minecraft or League of Legends or Fortnite or whatever it might be, if you have some understanding you might want to pursue uh, back uh, pursue a career in translation of um, video games. I, I, that's completely reasonable. Um, let's talk a little bit about your backgrounds. I guess you know, in terms of um, uh, you know where your background comes from. Patrick, you talked about being an actuary, uh, <laughs> and instead you ended up taking this turn into translation. So, how do you feel like your background affected? Uh, your day-to-day -day work or even your classwork because sometimes I think people think it's very abstract like I don't know why I'm taking this class or mm -hmm. that class you can speak to that a yeah bit. I definitely think uh, my background prepared me tremendously well for being a project manager like I mentioned my major was in Spanish so that kind of knocks out the language component um, I also did a business minor which is great we're obviously a business so those kinds of things like basic accounting finance principles those are all super important to know. I mean, we monitor our margin on a daily basis, so that's kind of a thing I learned in college, so it was really no different when I got here to start working. Uh, again, and then the focus on uh, you know, the translation program as well, that kind of gives me three ways where it kind of very much leverages what I do on a day-to-day -day basis uh, as a project manager. Well, that, that's a really good point because I think all too often, it's a point that I try to stress when, when we do the presentations at the different programs uh, at the university level is that having a bit of business acumen is important because you will receive purchase orders. You will receive uh, notes from uh, the company saying, hey, we pay in you know, net 30 and understanding or we pay in net 60 or net 90. Understanding what that means, understanding what common billing practices are, um, are really important mm -hmm. because to be a good partner, if you're going to go the freelance route, to be a good partner, having an understanding of these things 
could potentially impact impact your cash flow. How many different agencies will hire you? Um, you, you don't want to look like an amateur. Right. I even took a class that was uh, business writing. So it's basically, you know, here's how you write a memo. Here's how you write a resume. Here's how you write a cover letter. Those are instrumental in getting work, obviously. And those, if you mess it up, it's a very easy way to get written off immediately if those aren't up to snuff. That's uh, another really important point. You know, all too often, um, and I, I'm not one to... Um, go crazy with uh, uh, comparisons or criticisms of generations. But I think all too often we think of the younger generation being incredibly comfortable with technology and that being meaning that they're really good at writing emails. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, taking a business writing class is a really good idea because writing business emails is not the same as putting a post on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram. Um, you know, there's a little bit of skill that goes to it, especially I would say looking at adversity because it happens sometimes in business relationships where a challenge comes up, there's an issue, and someone might be a little bit upset in email, and understanding how to diffuse that situation is a really good skill set. Absolutely. Um, Bailey, looking back, what would you say uh, after this short period of time that you've been with us, what's the number one thing that you leveraged from your education or your background that's helped you in your day-to-day -day job? I think that I also had the cultural and the language piece, just like Patrick said, but I think the biggest thing would probably have would have been um, the work experience I gained while working part time while I was in school. I know a lot of students are a little concerned about working part time time jobs or volunteering or doing activities like that while they're in college. But absolutely, it prepared me 100 percent for going into the working um, like the working force. Um, I got more used to dealing with superiors, dealing with managers, dealing with um, other students or colleagues that have issues or concerns. Like it just prepares you 100% rather than going into the workforce with nothing but your college degree and no experience whatsoever. I would agree. That's a really good point. And there's plenty of internships out there as well. If, you, if you're too busy during the school year because you have too heavy of a load for classes, you can always try to do um, and find good internships in the summer. There's plenty of programs out there. Yeah, to what you guys said too, like I had a customer service job in college, which I think for anyone going into any field, really just learning how to deal with customers. As project managers, we do that every day. So it's really important to know how to just deal with people, like you mentioned, through email, through phone calls, whatever it might be. It's super important just to kind of be able to diffuse a situation if it's kind of spiraling out of control. Great, very good point. Um, in terms of the jobs, I guess we should cover a little bit more in depth the types of jobs that are in the field. Um, so, uh, Patrick, why don't we come back to you on this? If, if you're to be a freelance translator, what would you say some of the most important points are um, in terms of your skill set? Mm -hmm. We'll go through these briefly because we just did an episode a couple weeks ago, I think, about how to become a freelancer. Uh, but again, uh, knowledge of com uh, CAT tools, which is computer-assisted translation tools. Uh, every company is going to be using those. So really, you don't need to know one specific tool, just kind of a broad knowledge of how those tools work. Um, being super responsive. Uh, as project managers, we assign dozens of jobs a day. So really, we need to know that, you, that you're working on it. So really accepting that job, telling us, yes, I'm working on it, um, that's going to be super important. Um, we talked about this before on the other episode, but kind of being flexible on price and timeline if you can. If not, we certainly understand. Everyone has you know, a lot of work to do. But if you can, usually that's going to help us out and kind of get you in the good graces with your project manager. Um, and then obviously 
one of the most important things is the quality of your work. We need good translations. Uh, for us, machine translation is not acceptable. So it really needs to be you as the freelancer that we're hiring. It needs to be you doing that work. Um, and to go kind of deeper into quality, you could get certified by the ATA. Um, and you can, you know, obviously we mentioned specializations earlier. And then one final thing is, uh, you know, usually working with a teammate is going to be huge too, because all 99% of our projects have an independent editor on them. Um, the only time they don't is when the client requests that they don't. So really having that teammate that you can work well with, that's either your translator or your editor is going to be really important for you to, you know, get a lot of work and get that volume up. All great points. And, and I think um, it's really important to put together a game, good game plan as well in terms of how you're going to apply. And of course, we did cover those in the other podcast, um, how you're going to apply, who you're going to apply to, what you're going to provide, you know, be ready to do some samples. I think those are all good suggestions. Um, I'll, I'll cover the next two, uh, an interpreter. So um, there's different fields within interpretation. So you can be a telephonic interpreter. You can, of course, be a court interpreter, which is very specific and often requires um, uh, to get uh, a certification from the state or from uh, even local um, uh, local authorities, like at the county level. Um, but you can also now be a remote interpreter. There's um, a lot of technology. Our colleagues over at Interpretnet um, have the Interprefy uh, platform that they use that basically uh, speakers at a conference can be piped into any of the users in the audience in a different language by simply using their smartphone and a headset. So, you know, all, all, the, all the work is behind the scenes and the interpreters are all, uh, of course, scheduled, but they can be in different parts of the world and that interpretation feed is delivered securely through an app just to your phone. So that's uh, kind of a neat option. Uh, you do have to know that there's different kinds of interpretation. There's consecutive and simultaneous. And simultaneous is, of course, the kind that's made famous by the United Nations and is very, very difficult and incredibly different skill set than, say, being a consecutive interpreter, which we're familiar with from the courts and just people doing that in a more um, informal setting. Um, so a little bit about sales and marketing. Believe it or not, there's actually sales and marketing jobs that are um, in the industry as well. All good firms will have uh, salespeople, they'll have marketing people, and those are essentially the roles that you would imagine they are. It's understanding digital marketing, uh, it's understanding website technology and how to run a website and content management system and display ads and Google ads, really all the same things that go into marketing any business. Um, and those positions are available. And business development, of course, is what you imagine that to be a sales job where you're calling on clients and trying to build relationships and uh, sell the services of the firm. Um, then, of course, project management. We've talked a little bit about that. And since I'm fortunate enough to have two of you here today, I thought I would talk uh, or get a little perspective from each of you on what are the things that... Um, um, what are the types of roles or the things that you might do inside of a, a firm as a project manager? Patrick, why don't we start with you? Yeah, so uh, here at Argo, we consider ourselves project managers with a capital P. Uh, that kind of means that we're a jack of all trades. Other firms might have kind of more specialized jobs than we do, but we you know, take it upon ourselves to be continually learning, picking up all these things so that we as the project manager can kind of eliminate the need for having more jobs than we need here. Uh, so just it's a matter of efficiency for us, but... Um, we deal with all of our vendors, uh, so that would be all of our translators and editors. Uh, we run quality assurance checks uh, in our CAT tool. Uh, we go out and recruit new translators, new team members. 
Um, we do a little bit of engineering when we have to deal with complex files and we need them to parse correctly. Um, and we're, uh, we're obviously the main point of contact for our clients. So we're really in that customer service role too. Well, and I, I think it's important as well to sort of um, contrast a bit uh, something that we do specifically here at Argo that's a little different to other agencies. You, know, you spoke a little bit about that. Um, I think that um, if you over-silo the job of a project manager, in other words, make their responsibilities too tight, like for example, you're a project manager, but you're only responsible for creating quotations, or you're only responsible for quality assurance, or you're only responsible for prepping files, whatever that might be, it's such an isolated type of role uh, you may not get contact with a customer, and I feel like that you're really cheating a person out of personal growth. As a project manager, having done the job myself, I think it's a lot more rewarding to have control of the project from start to finish. And um, in my mind, it's it's a richer environment for growth. Right, and if there are so many people, there's kind of too many cooks in the kitchen, there's a lot more room for things to slip through the cracks. So it's really important, at least I like our model as well, where it's you know, one person basically from start to finish on the project. If you have questions, you go to your PM and that's it. They don't have to go, oh, let me check with so-and-so. It's it's the buck stops with them. Yeah, a matter of responsibility as well and clarity to the client. Because, mm -hmm. of course, the customer doesn't want to have to try to figure out who they need to talk to about a specific issue on a job. Um, Bailey, for you, uh, what do you think? Actually, I'm going to change it up just a little bit for you. What is your favorite part of the job? I think that would be... An interesting Ooh, thing. My the answer is part. none. I don't want to hear. It. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the answer. Um, ooh, that's a that's a hard question because there's so many things about. Um, is the it job working here. with Patrick? <laughs> Absolutely, number one. Number two would probably have to be with um, connecting with our um, our linguists. I absolutely have loved um, the relationships that we've started build that I've started building with the linguists that we work with here every day. Um, it's really interesting to hear about some of the things that they have to say about their language journeys and um, learning more about other languages besides for the ones that I focused in. So getting being able to talk to them every day has been really great. Great, outstanding. Thanks for sharing that. And Patrick, sorry he shouldn't list you. So. Um, <laughs> How about do's and don'ts of applying for jobs? And you know, I know both of you, it's amazing. You know, people find your email addresses and they think that might be the way in to apply. So I know even to your own personal email boxes, you're, you're getting in LinkedIn, you're getting um, solicited uh, for people to work as freelancers here. What are some of the do's and don'ts that you see? And, and can definitely make it very conversational, but let's, let's start with Patrick and then we'll come back to Bailey. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I said before, when I was talking about how to get work as a translator, uh, definitely do your research on the company. You don't want to go in blind and be like, oh, I'm applying here. And then they kind of ask you a few questions and you have no idea what they're talking about. So look them up, look on their website, look up their core values, you know, ask yourself if those core values align with your core values. Uh, so really kind of do your homework on the agency you're applying to and really tailor your cover letter, even your resume, you can tailor it to kind of fit that one company. I wouldn't say that you know one resume or one cover letter fits all. It's really important to to really narrow it down and focus on why you want to work for that company. Yeah, that's a good point. And actually let's let's keep it broad. Thank you for doing that in terms of either freelance jobs or either uh, an internal job. I think the do's and don'ts are are similar. My favorite don't 
is if you have a hundred different companies you're applying to, that you put them all in the CC line <laughs> in your email, and then um, you start a chain of emails that never stops of people yelling at oh, each other. No. Um, so that would be my number one. Don't don't do that. Pretend like you're writing just that one person. They're they're your focus. So even if you do a blanket email, which I wouldn't recommend, because your first line should be dear in someone's name, not hey. Um, or to all who to all concerned parties. Uh, so that would be for me. Number one, don't. Uh, Bailey, how about you? Don'ts, do's. I mean, you, you did a great job. I think you and I were connected via LinkedIn to start with. Yeah. Um, well, I actually, think, it goes a little deeper than that, right? You should tell the yeah, full story. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, um, my my mom works at a Japanese manufacturing plant, as I said before, um, and she actually received a holiday email from Argo Translation. And she, she was thoroughly impressed by that email. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And she sent it my way, and um, it was my senior year, and she said, why don't you look up this company? I don't know anything about them, but here you go. And so I decided to do some research, and that's sort of how I stumbled upon Argo and decided that that's where I was going to try and focus all of my attention. Great. And actually, I should say that then when we did connect on LinkedIn and I saw that you had a pretty well built out profile and that's important yes. because just like a lot of uh, the younger generation spend time on social media, you should make sure to take care of um, what most people like to call old person Facebook um, and build out a really good LinkedIn profile that Absolutely. has some of your experience. And that's important. And by the way, your picture shouldn't be you, though this is funny, it shouldn't be you like drinking a beer at a Cubs game or something. <laughs> Absolutely like that, not. Right? Absolutely. It should be at not. least a decent headshot that you can have any friend take for you in front exactly. of a blank wall or can even be in an interesting place. Um, but, and on that note, um, University campuses absolutely have LinkedIn workshops or um, free headshots. Most um, universities have a way that you can go and do those things for free and learn about those things for free. So definitely utilize those resources while you still have them and you can still take part in those. Great. Patrick, how about some other do's? I know we should probably focus on the positive rather than the don'ts. We talked about terrible pictures and funny emails. Uh, what are what are some do's, would you say? Yeah, so I would say definitely, like I said before, do your research. Um, look up the company, why you want to work for them. Look into the job description. You know, do you fit? Do you want to be a project manager or do you want to be a project engineer? You know, make sure you, you're applying to something that your skills fit. Um, and then I would also recommend, this was huge for me, Coming from a previous agency, I had a little bit of an idea how PMs worked here, but it was incredibly beneficial to watch the PMs work here for an hour or so. Just kind of look look into their day for an hour or whatever time it might be and really see how they operate, see what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, making sure everything kind of makes sense to you while you're watching them. Uh, so really, I think there's a huge benefit to shadowing someone who already has your position so that really can show you if you're prepared or not. That's a really good point. We've actually made it part of our hiring process now is that we require that shadowing because, listen, as much as we want to hire folks, we want to make sure that they're happy in the position. In other words, they should have a really good feeling for, you know, what does a day in the life of this person look like? So I think that shadowing is really beneficial for both parties, both the employer and the prospective employee. So great point there. Um, 
Bailey, let's start with you. What are some of the things to expect as a new PM? I mean, why don't you talk a little bit about the training and some of the procedures and processes? If you could speak to that a bit, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest things is that um, learning doesn't stop at once the minute you get your diploma. Um, it's all, You're always going to be learning new things and um, new ways to handle different um, procedures. So some of the things that I've learned since I started working here is about CAT tools, like um, Patrick mentioned earlier. Um, I didn't have any experience with those prior to coming to Argo, um, and I realized that that was a really large part of everything that happens in the translation industry. Um, I also have learned a lot about communicating with clients. Um, Patrick also mentioned writing business emails and taking those business writing classes. I had a good idea of how to um, say very basic things when it comes to business emails, but when it comes to specifics um, in regards to projects, it's really important to know your stuff. That way you can properly outline all of that for other people that definitely don't know um, what we do. Um, I've also learned a lot about different types of technology. It's, um, Argo is very technology focused, which I love. Um, but some of the things I have never even heard of before and suddenly they're on my computer and I have to figure out how to use them. So that's been a really interesting process since I've started here. Great, great. And um, how about, you know, Patrick, a uh, little bit of the ability, like what happens if you make a mistake? You know, mm -hmm. how do you deal with that as a new project? You're going to make a mistake, <laughs> right? You're a new project manager. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so it's definitely important here. We're all a team here. So, um, you know, just pull in one of your team members, explain to them the situation. They'll let you know how to handle it. Uh, but like you said, no one's perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, we just need to clearly communicate them and fix it basically as fast as possible. And then we'll also take steps to make sure that that same mistake won't happen again. So it's perfectly fine if you do make mistakes, but we're thinking more long term and that, you know, how do we prevent this from happening again? And I think owning it is really important mm -hmm. as well. You know, I, I think over 25 years, we've had the opportunity to see some people who didn't own a mistake. And I think that's your number. That's probably more of a life lesson, I guess, is that if you do make a mistake, own it, understand why it happened. And that's actually part of the ISO initiative as well as to document it mm -hmm. so you don't repeat it. I mean, that's obviously very, very important. Right. I'd say it's important, you know, have short-term memory from the perspective of it's okay, people make mistakes, it's done, it's over with, but then have long-term memory of, okay, I'm not going to do that again. And, and I think something that you should expect as a new PM, and I'm going to comment on this because I think it's an important part of our, our culture is, you know, having fun. You know, certainly work is not always fun. Um, uh, my my whole theory on that is if it was so much darn fun, you guys would pay me to come here <laughs> instead of me paying you to come here. However, that doesn't mean that you can't have nice l lunch sessions, uh, you know, have a great lunchroom and, and have a beer fridge and, you know, have some different um, benefits for uh, your people so that then they really enjoy spending time. Because after all, at eight hours a day, uh, that's a fair amount of your life in the workplace and it should be fun. And I... I I like the fact that, um, in fact, Patrick gets involved in a lot of these projects here at Argo as sort of a, the fun master, I guess, um, you know, doing uh, some, you know, neat little get togethers and um, little parties throughout the year and celebrating people's birthdays. All these things are really, really important. So I hope that for all our prospective job seekers, they end up in a spot that's uh, that has a fun component as well. I call those mandatory fun events. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly. everyone has to go. <laughs> everyone <laughs> must participate. Exactly. Um, so how about some of uh, 
you know, going over some of the additional skills that uh, specifically a project manager needs to have. I mean, I think you guys both spoke to it a little bit, but um, Bailey, why don't we start with you in terms of, um, you know, some of these components that you already covered? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So some of the skills that you learn while you're in college, but also in other things, it's really important um, that you are organized. Um, that is a large, large part of being a project manager and all, and almost any job too, um, that you really know how to separate things in your mind and, um, specific projects that are going on. So you can make sure that everything you're meeting your deadlines. That's another important part about being a project manager. Um, you really need to make sure that you have everything focused in your mind and everything separated and organized exactly how you need it to be. That way you can make sure that you know nobody really gets left behind when it comes to different projects. You definitely don't want to drop the ball or miss a piece of something um, that comes along in a project because you don't know where you're at. You don't know when the deadline is. If you don't have all of those things sorted out, um, that would not be good. It's also really important to be able to multitask, you know, not focusing on just one project, but multiple at a time. Here at Argo, I normally have anywhere from 15 to 30 projects going on at one time. And it really, you have to find a system to really manage all of those different projects that are going on or else they're just going to absolutely overwhelm you. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because um, you really don't want to miss deadlines. You don't want to miss tasks that are overdue. And, you know, you do have to work on something, put it down, work on something else, because oftentimes you're waiting for pieces or you're waiting for other people yes. to do something exactly. on the project. So you have to let it go and start something else. And there is no right answer, but the bottom line, it has to be a system that works exactly. for you. Exactly, right? exactly. Because we have different styles, I know, yes. in, in terms of our project managers. And yes. you've probably already seen that through some of the training. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the bottom line is, does it work? Exactly, yeah. Patrick and I both have very different <laughs> styles of organizing our inboxes. His inbox stresses me out, and I'm pretty sure my inbox would stress him out. But all that matters is that both of us get our projects completed, and that's, that's the bottom line. So a little bit about... Um, how about a passion for languages, obviously, and people? I think, you know, those are two of the things that I think are really important. Patrick, if you could speak to those points and a bit about adaptability there mm-hmm. as well. So I certainly think it's important to be flexible. Uh, things always don't, don't always go according to plan. Uh, so you really need to be able to, you know, adapt to what's happening, figure it out, roll with the punches, and still, you know, get the job done. Uh, and like we mentioned before, we're project managers. We're dealing with clients every day. Uh, the one of the skills that I think is most important is juggling and not juggling objects, but juggling people, juggling projects. Uh, there's really a lot coming at you at once. Uh, you could have, you know, I think a week or two ago, I had two projects that were 16 languages each. So for each one of those languages, I have to deal with 32 linguists plus the client. So that's a lot going on at once. But like you mentioned, we have the systems in place. We have the processes in place where, you know, it's going to get done as quickly and efficiently as possible. And do you ever feel like a detective? Yes. I mean, problem solving, I think, is a big piece of it and really trying to get to the bottom of different issues, whether it's a file format or it's a deep question about a technical piece of content and you need to do research. 
Um, I, I, I always thought that that was a, a, a mm-hmm. big deal. I wish, I wish that I could put mind reading on this list, but unfortunately I can't read minds. <laughs> well, that one's tough too. And you, you know, I, it's funny though. I think over time, like once you start working with a customer, and I know that's one of our things too, is we look for continuity in terms of project management and a project manager who's assigned to an account because you do start to learn like, oh, don't you always usually request Spanish? Why is that not on your list? You know, those sort of little things that I think go into good customer service. Um, I wanted to stress being a life um, a lifelong learner. I thought that was a really good point that Bailey made earlier, and I think um, I think I can attest to that. As again, college was uh, in the Paleozoic era for me, but um, I've had to learn so much just in moving forward. Um, you know, my background in education wasn't in translation because those programs didn't necessarily exist. It was in business with a minor in translation or in in the, the Italian language. Um, but if you think of where systems were when we started 25 years ago and where they are today, you know, we didn't have email when I started. Windows didn't exist. It was still DOS 3.1. So having to learn new systems, uh, new tools, you know, Trados, the big translation tool that everybody uses was DOS-based. And, you know, now suddenly we're dealing with remote cloud applications for translation and direct connections to content management systems. And it's such a um, an important part of the job, no matter what role you're in, whether it is in marketing or project management or being a translator, um, that having that open mind and being able to learn uh, is really important. In fact, I, I see that as um, something that holds some people back. That there, We've had freelancers that have said, you know, I've been at this long enough and I really don't want to learn new tools. And if it means that I have to learn a new tool, I'm going to retire. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I've seen it and people's careers and knowingly, thankfully, they, they understood that about themselves. Right. But that, it is really important. That comes out in our interview process too, at least for you know internal positions at Argo. Um, I remember distinctly from my interview uh, a couple of years ago, um, one of the questions was, you know, how do you think a project goes? So that you know shows if you can critically think through it. But you know, I described the process and I said, oh, you, you prep it in Trados because that was the only tool I'd used at the time. And um, the production manager asked me, she's like, well, we don't use Stratos, so what now? And I, my response was, well, I'm not sure what tool you do use, but I'm sure I could pick it up and learn it. If you let me know, I'll go do some research and figure it out. So to your point, you know, really being able to learn to adapt to the situation is going to be key. Outstanding. And Bailey, um, speak, if you can, uh, speak a bit to teamwork. Um, you know, I know you mentioned a little bit about that from your college days and uh, being in the different organizations you were in, but how does it relate here at Argo, and is it what you thought it was? I definitely think that in the past... And do you hate working with Patrick? <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't hate working with Patrick. Um, but in the past, I, I sort of felt like all of my teamwork came from me managing a team of people instead of me being part of a team. So coming here and being at the bottom of the food chain and really not Welcome. knowing, yeah, thank you, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and not knowing anything um, has really taught me a lot. Um, Morgan, she was on our podcast uh, previously. Um, she has really been my linchpin. I stand up over our little cubicle and ask her questions probably 30 to 50 times a day, truly. I ask her so many questions to the point where I was scared that she was getting annoyed with me. Um, but all of the other PMs here, truly, it's they're all willing to help and try and figure out whatever issues you're having. Um, we're all here to help each other. And even you, Peter, like 
you might not know what's going on, but you're always willing to step in and Is it time take for your control. review? Is that why you're saying that? <laughs> maybe, okay. maybe. We're looking at another month, maybe. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, it's a it's a really interesting um, dynamic you guys have going on here. It's almost like, not that everyone's on the same playing field, but because everyone's really working towards the same goal, um, and everyone's really working together. It's not, it doesn't feel as competitive. I feel like still good competition, not competitive, you know, hurt other people in the process competitive, if that makes sense. Well, and, and thank you. I think that's a really good point. And I, I think one point that sometimes is missed is that the customer is really an important part of that as well. They're really part of that team also. And I, I, I'm sure you've seen it already on certain projects that if the customer is an active participant and willing to answer questions and willing to provide the files in the correct formats, how much more smoothly the project goes. Absolutely. So let's do this. We, I think we covered this topic really well. I always like to find out about what your number one takeaway is. Bailey, what was your number one takeaway from the podcast today? Um, I think my number one takeaway was really that I'm, I have a lot of change that I uh, have to be prepared for in this industry. Um, you talked a lot about how things have changed in 25 years and I'm just getting started and everything is, um, so not complicated, but there's just a lot of different things that go into making everything work, um, both technology wise and, uh, industry wise. And I'm, I think that I just need to prepare myself for more change to come in the future as well. Great. Patrick, how about you? Yeah, I would say um, it's when you are a student, really have a wide lens of where you want to work in the future. Um, there's a lot of different opportunities out there. Uh, when I graduated, I wasn't quite sure what I was looking for, but uh, I found a couple of job listings for project managers at a translation company. I thought, hmm, all of my skills really would apply well to this. I have a good background, so I'm going to give this a shot. And here I am five years later and still doing it. So really kind of do your research, see what's out there, and then find something that, number one, interests you, and number two, that you can leverage your skills and your education into. Great. And for me, I would say um, it's sort of maybe not something we spoke about explicitly, but I think it's a thread across everything we discussed, is um, the ability to keep an open mind and to stay flexible and adaptable because um, things do change. Teammates change. Customers change. Really, it's a very fluid environment. And uh, I think that is good advice no matter what field you go into, that you really do have to have an open mind and know that you're going to work with a lot of different personality types. And um, honest and clear candor is um, an incredibly important part of that. And you know, being able to take criticism is really important and being able to provide criticism uh, in a respectful way is, is huge. And I think that makes you a good, good teammate, a good uh, good coworker. I think these are all things that everybody would appreciate. So um, for this uh, episode, thank you so much for tuning in um, and we'll see you next time.